The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. What's up, party people? Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Fowdy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. And are y'all ready for a good time? Oh, I can do better. <laughs> Wait, I can do better. Hang on. Y'all ready for a good time? <laughs> the southern accent I take, Lynn? Yes. Maybe a little nod to our guest. Yeah, it sure is, Julie. We got Hoffer on the pod. <laughs> a Hoffer? That's right. Our awesome guest this week, soon-to-be Women's Basketball Hall of Famer, ESPN analyst and colleague, Carolyn Peck in Woo-hoo. the house. And Carolyn, or Peck as I call her, better than Pecker, <laughs> let's be clear, played collegiate basketball at Vanderbilt University and eventually became a coach at the collegiate level, starting as an assistant at the University of Tennessee for the legendary Pat Summit in 1999 as head coach at Purdue. She became the first black woman in that role to win a Division I Women's NCAA Championship and at 33, the youngest women's basketball head coach to win a Division I title. That's Carolyn Peck. She's had a long-time career with ESPN as a color commentator and analyst and was part of the ESPN crew throughout March Madness. You saw her all over the TV and at the Women's Final Four. And in this episode, we may or may not debate the ridiculousness of Kim Mulkey's outfits. Most important, she is getting inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame on April 29th, and it's right near her hometown in Knoxville, Tennessee. Boom! So, get comfortable listening. It's Carolyn Peck. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this. Along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. So bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. I'm gonna gush real quick before we start. I I really love you and Courtney Lyle as Aww. a tag team. I love Courtney. I think she is fantastic, and she's one of the smartest women I know. Oh, she's the future. She's so good. And I love the two of you together. I'm a big Lynn fan now. Lynn! Big hearts <laughs> to Lynn. Peck, we are going to have you set the scene. Where you're at, what you're doing, how many bottles of wine you have opened, all those things. Well, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm. I am in my I love Nashville. converted second bedroom to studio 
hence the whole COVID that never went back to a bedroom. Um, <laughs> it is just a little after two o'clock. So no bottles of wine are open <laughs> yet, but you're on the clock. Um, and I am so excited to be here with the two of you. Oh, can I just say I would never get tired of your cute little Tennessee draw. Oh, <laughs> it's so cute. Nashville. I have I have lived in Indiana. I have lived in Japan. I have lived in Italy. And can you imagine this southern drawl speaking Japanese? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Oh my. Okay, so do you know what I discovered in thinking about our history? Which what? I haven't seen you in a long time and that makes me sad, but I quickly realized that you and I share a love of telling stories about our moms because I'm always yes. bagging on my mom in a good way. Not bagging. That's not a good word. Yeah. I'm, I'm sharing loving stories about my mother um, and and funny stories. And I told Lynn, I would love for you if you would open up because I was like, I still think of Peck telling me this story and I still giggle out loud when you're telling me the story. Do you know which one I'm talking to? When you, she was in the stands and you were coaching at Purdue? <laughs> She's like, well, was one? it the one when I was coaching at Purdue or when I was playing in high school and she was holding up the cards? Oh, I haven't heard that one. We'll so take both. No, we'll take both. Well, um, when I was in high school, uh, my best friend was the manager. And like, I never go went anywhere with Lee to this day. We've been friends since we were five years old. But she was a manager. But we're playing a big rivalry. Uh, we were playing Cock County. And so, you know, the, the the stands are full and everybody's rocking there into it. And so I go down and I make a play and I score and my mom holds up an eight. Now, I'm number 24, so I'm really <laughs> not understanding what's going on. Then come down the other end, the ref calls a foul and my mom holds up a two. Like, what is that? So at a timeout, I go to Lee and I'm like, Lee, go find out what my mom's doing. And so <laughs> Lee goes over there and she comes back and she has tears in her eyes. She's laughing so hard. <laughs> I go, okay, what's happening? She said, your mom is ranking the officials and your shots. <laughs> so she had prepared a whole stack of numbers to hold those up. That's no so way. Oh, uh, yeah. Jeez. Um, and then when I'm co when I was coaching, like this was my mom's favorite thing to do because she would wait for me outside the locker room, which would be, you know, when I'd come out and then I'd be ready to leave. And so she's standing outside. And so I'm making small talk with other people. And here come the officials walking by. And my mom goes, wait, excuse me, excuse me. Stops the officials and then looks at him and says, I'm going to pray for you tonight. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I will never get another call the rest of my career. That might be why I'm not, I can't get another coaching job because my mom's got a reputation. <laughs> okay. Tell the one about her in the stands when you were coaching. Do you remember this one? Ah, uh, which one? When you might've been saying something she didn't want you to say, swearing. Oh, when I, when I got the technical, uh, tell that one. Uh, I don't want to well, give it away. <laughs> well, I I don't really cuss at the yeah. officials a lot. I, I don't. Uh -huh. And um, I think we were playing Tennessee. And I, you know, yelled at the official. I got a technical and I turn around and my mom's sitting right behind me. And I looked at her and I go, I didn't even cuss. <laughs> Like you better not have. Oh yeah, yeah. My mom was one that look. Oh, she's great. all about willpower, right? Yeah. yeah. So when I was coaching at Purdue, and they moved in with me during the season, and I brought them with me, they travel with me, and so when I'm packing for every trip, she go, "Well, what are you going to wear?" And I'm like, "Well, I think I'm going to wear a suit." Or da da. Well, you need to wear a dress. I'm like, Mom, I squat. You really. <laughs> think it's appropriate for me well you might need to stand up but little girls need to see you wearing a dress now that was back in 
the late nineties, early two thousands. But if my mom was going more times than not, I had a skirt on. So you're saying she liked Kim Mulkey's outfits probably. She will. Okay. So my mom is in, my mom and dad are in assisted living now. So they watch it on TV. And when I'm doing LSU games during the game, my mom will text me and say, what is she wearing? <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. It, what um, is she wearing? That was like, well, I was not a fan of that. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, when I think back on it, if I had had, you know, somebody providing me clothes and I might have been a little more outlandish. Yeah, but not outfit. like that. Not like I mean, that. because look at the attendance at LSU now. Right. I mean, people are following them at the final. But that's because mm -hmm. they're playing good basketball, not because of her damn outfits. But you got them in the arena, so it has them something to talk about. And even somebody that hadn't seen them play goes, this woman's wearing a crazy outfit. Oh, and damn, her team is good. Yeah. Mm. So, I, okay, I'm going to have my little riff. Okay. Go for it. I, <laughs> okay. I, 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 I might have, have a rebuttal to it, believe it or not. Yeah. I, I could not stand the outfits because mm. it's not about Kim Mulkey. It's about her players. And everything she was doing was eyes on me, tension on me. The grandkid was dressed the same. It's like, hey, guess what? I'm all for expression, but it shouldn't be about you. It's not about you, sister. Like, sit on the bench, do your thing, coach mm. your team, win a national championship, and then make it about the players, not you. How about that? I got fired up. I you get fired are up fired watching, up. I got fired up watching her. I was like, why is it about her every time? I don't want to know about Kim Mulkey. I want to know about her players. Okay, but Julie, I got this question for you. What do you think about ever since COVID, some coaches have gone to just wearing practice gear on the sideline? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, a, I don't need a coach to dress up. Is that what you mean? Like they should look professional? Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine with whatever coach wants to wear, they can wear. Now, see, what I think is the respect of the game. When you're at practice, yeah. you dress for practice. When you yeah. come to a game, a player doesn't wear their practice gear. They wear a uniform. So right. when play, when coaches come to coach, then they have to establish. And I think, look, you to be successful, you got to look successful. And I think, you, you know, because I know how I felt when I would dress for a game. I'm going to tell you, and this is conceited, but I would leave my bedroom or my hotel room and I'd go, oh, yeah, I'm ready to uh -huh. get today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh -huh. it's kind of an emotional thing, too. My little prep rally. Let me tell you one time at Purdue. <laughs> so when um, you know, if you've ever been to Mackey Arena and we were averaging like 12,000 people, I mean, that place was always rocking. That's awesome. And, but I, when I first started coaching, I would go out and I'd watch the team warm up. And if we weren't making shots or the other team was making shots, just in warmups, I would freak out and go, oh gosh, oh no, we're not going to have a good game. Or, you know, the other team's really hot or whatever. So my assistant said, Carolyn, you have to stay in the locker room until four minutes. You can't oh, come out interesting. until four minutes. So I'm like, okay. So I go back, I would go back in the locker room and wait those four minutes. So when the team was out on the court, I had the stereo rocking. I am in there having a jam <laughs> session. I am dancing. I'm getting I love it. it. Well, the managers had forgotten to take something out on the court and one of them bust in and I am in mid move. Like I, I might even be twerking, but I was by myself. And they walk in and I'm like, okay, if you tell anybody, you know, this will be your last game. This is a secret just between you and I. Oh, I love it. Solo dance parties. I'm all in favor of those. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm just so interested that you brought up the sideline, uh, the sideline wear because I've been curious about it myself. You know, you see some coaches like a Don Staley. She she has her her style, and what I'm finding too is that then the assistant coaches typically follow suit, and that was even the case with LSU, where the assistant coaches had pretty outlandish outfits. Uh, my I've I've really I've really thought about this and I went deep with myself about Kim Mulkey <laughs> and what she wears. And what I came to is that for better or worse, it gives her players the freedom to be who they are. 
she's putting herself mm. out there in a way where she doesn't care okay. what anyone says. All right. Doesn't care. And you saw that on the court, when, especially in the final, when those LSU players were hot and hitting shots. They were celebrating. They were pumping each other But up. you don't think they'd have that even without the ridiculous outfits? Okay, well, know. here's a disclaimer about Kim Mulkey. She doesn't pick her outfits out. I, I know. So, but she says yes to it. You still get to say yay or nay. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, you know. you're going to wear this outfit. Well, no, I won't wear that outfit, actually. I have a person who does wardrobe, too. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'll never wear that, by the way. Yeah. So, well, usually it comes down to two or three outfits that she has to choose from. Because at first, because like for the semifinal game when she had the feathers, mm-hmm. she was saying no to that. All along. And then Jennifer Roberts, that's on her staff, that usually is dressed to the nines as well, was like, this will draw so much attention. Just wear it. And two of the designers that she gets her clothes from are LSU alum. Yeah, I like that. So she's playing homage to to alum. So I I give her that. Yeah. For, you know, bringing some attention to them. To yeah. your point, Julie, now we've spent several minutes talking about her clothes. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's the, it, it's tough. Now, when uh, I do think of class on the sideline, besides you, Carolyn, someone who immediately comes to mind is Pat Summit. Oh, yeah. I used to pick up Pat's clothes. Oh, I'd love to hear about this. Oh, Pat. Okay. So Pat loved to wear St. John's. Oh. You know, the knit, you know, yeah. oh, that yeah. I could not afford to wear um and then she would put on these these shoes and they were like school teacher shoes and i'm like pat no you gotta <laughs> you know you gotta put the shoes with the the outfit and so i would always dog her about updating her wardrobe when we were going to i think we were going to montana and so um she didn't didn't live far from the airport and so we were you know going you know waiting on the team to all get there. And Pat usually slung in on two wheels because she would push it to the last minute. And we're going to Montana, right? And here comes Pat Summit, head to toe in leather. <laughs> leather, vest, pants, cowboy boots. Like she got all into it. Like there's there's sides of Pat that people didn't even know that were so fun. Oh I mean, wow! He would. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But talk about class on the sideline. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, she had the players. They weren't scared of her. They were. Uh, they had great respect for her. The officials and the opposing team. They were scared of Pat. Yeah. <laughs> you grew up thirty minutes from University of Tennessee. Yet you decided not to go to University of Tennessee and chose Vanderbilt instead. Well, Why? that's that's a whole long story too. Yeah, because well, yeah. I, like, I was looking at where Jefferson City was. I didn't realize you were that close to University of Tennessee where you grew up. Oh yeah, and I was like, wait, you were like in the backyard. Yeah, where oh, Pat yeah. was thirty minutes away at the time they played in Stokely. Uh, and my my parents would take me to go watch the Lady Vols play. I was a big Lady Vol fan. Um, at the time, you know, ten, that, that women's basketball wasn't really on TV a lot. And at times, and this can make me sound really old, I'd listen to their games on the radio. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Pat was intimidating, but I loved her. She in recruiting and all, I loved talking to her. Um, and then I spent a lot of time talking with one of her assistants that I will name nameless, but I didn't really have a connection with. Mm-hmm. And Phil Lee was a coach at Vanderbilt. And he used to, we would set up, okay, because at the time making a phone call to Nashville was long distance. <laughs> and so we would set up times and he couldn't call me. I had to call him. But mm-hmm. I liked talking to him. I liked talking mm-hmm. to his wife. You know, he had two little daughters. And I love talking to them. Teresa Phillips, it was Teresa Lawrence at the time, was the assistant coach. And this started back when I was, gosh, uh, sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. And then they um, found out that they had at Vanderbilt, 
a pre-engineering program that was offered to minority students. And so the summer before my uh, senior year, he's, you know, he set up and I applied and I got in. So I got to spend the whole summer in Nashville in this pre-engineering program Mm -hmm. and kind of live the college life. And Vanderbilt has what, 4,000 undergrad. It's not very big where Tennessee has 48,000. And look, growing up in Tennessee, walking a class up and down those hills was not appealing. And so I really liked what I, you know, experienced the small intimate campus. And then when he came for his last home visit and he brought his wife, he called my whole family, my grandparents, my Aunt Barbara, my Uncle Dean, like they were all at my house. And so he gave the whole spiel and my Aunt Barbara, now she's 5'3 and just, she is a spit you know, spitfire, go after it. She controls the room. So after he finishes his spiel, then she goes, okay, everybody, let's just take a vote. (laughs) (laughs) Who thinks Carolyn should go to Vanderbilt? Everybody raise your hand. (laughs) So everybody raised their hand. And, you know, after he had given the whole spiel of when you go to Vanderbilt, when you graduate, you're going to have a job. You're going to be able to make this much money. You're going to have options. Yeah. I mean, uh... come on. It was go win national championships or run a corporation. I was like, I'm kind of feeling a corporation. And I'll... <laughs> and the other thing, too, Vanderbilt had never been to the NCAA tournament. And so yeah. it was an opportunity to go do something that yeah. Vanderbilt had never done before. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I see that anchor right above your left shoulder too. So. Yeah, that was, I'm in the Vanderbilt Hall of Fame. Look at you, multiple Hall of Fames. Congratulations, by the way. You're Thank going you. in next week. Damn. Damn. I only got my dress. You do? Yes. Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Can you tell yes. us what color? Um, it's an, or any it's, details? It's Does it have feathers? Does it have feathers? It has no feathers. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure my mother will approve, so I'm not showing it to her oh, until you, the day of. Okay, good call. Good call. But, um, yeah. I, I, Do I you have your speech? On my, I'm sorry? Do you have your speech? I have my speech. Okay. Yeah, it's going to stay within seven minutes. Oh, yeah. I'm going to follow the rules on that. I've been I've been there where people have gotten a mic and gone on and on and on. (laughs) Listen, I know about these award ceremonies. There's the pre cocktails and people can't wait to get to the post cocktail. (laughs) So your speech needs to be to the point, little entertaining, deliver a message, give your thank you and get to the after party. Uh, Well, part of. Your coaching journey, as we were talking about, you were at Purdue University. There you make some history. In 1999, you become the first African-American to coach a women's Division I basketball national championship team. And, Peck, you were only 33 years old, which also made history as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. You should have seen me before I came on this podcast spraying to cover up my gray. But yeah, did you did you think then it would take nearly 20 years for another black coach to win a national championship? You know, Juliet, it's interesting that you bring that up. Back in 99, when we won it, you know, one of the things that always kind of bothered me was that after we won it, it was over. It was done. They didn't put my players on talk shows. I wasn't invited mm-hmm. on any talk shows. There were no any no grand endorsements. Mm-hmm. It was in the following years and final fours I would go to, other than the highlight that they put on the jumbotron that like would review some of them. It occasionally might come on for a split second, but that yeah. championship was not important. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like sandwich. Just as an outside fan, it was. It did. It felt like it was sandwiched between UConn and Tennessee, and back and forth there. Yeah, yeah. And so, 
It wasn't until I think it was 18 years later when Don Staley won hers and she pulled out the little twine, the piece of the net that I gave her that then it became important Mm -hmm. again. Oh Yeah. yeah. Carolyn was the first, but it wasn't important the 18 years prior to. And so I'm really appreciative to Don Staley to remind (laughs) people because the first wasn't important until Mm. there was a second. Right. Mm. And I still on Twitter at times, people refer to Don as winning the first national championship because they don't even remember what happened in 1999. Interesting. What inspired you to cut that net down and then give a piece of that net? Tell that story. I don't want to tell it for you, but Don has shared that um, with us. In 1995, I was at Tennessee and we played Connecticut in the national championship and we lost. And so the next year I went to Kentucky because when I was at Tennessee, I was a restricted earnings coach. I was only making $16,000 a year. Uh So when Bernadette Maddox uh, asked me to come to Kentucky to be her recruiting coordinator and you go from making 16 to 36, that's a pretty big deal at that time. So I was like, yeah, I got to go full time. Well, we didn't have a great year at Kentucky, but we, um, I went to the women's to the final four that year and Tennessee was back in the championship game. And after they had won, they were down on the floor and I was sitting with all my friends in the Tennessee section during that game anyway But after they won, Passion Thompson was one of the post players that I had worked with when I was at Tennessee. And so while they're on the floor celebrating, she calls me down on the floor. So I go down there to celebrate with them. You know, when your team, your kids, they're always your kids, even if you go somewhere else. And she walked up the ladder and I saw her cut two pieces of the net. And when she came down, she came straight over to me and she said, Coach Peck, I'm going to give you a piece of the net and I want you to keep it until you win one of your own. Well, I kept that scraggly piece of net. (laughs) I tied it on my shoe and everywhere I went, uh, when I went to Purdue, even as an assistant coach, if I got a new pair of sneakers, I tied that piece of net on there. So every day I looked at it and that was my motivation, my goal. One day I'm going to win a national championship. And Nell Fortner was the head coach at Purdue. And, and that was our dream. When we went to Purdue, we took the administrators into Mackey Arena and we said, you look up right there. That's where we're going to hang a banner. Like right. that was our vision when we went to Purdue. And then Nell went on to coach the Olympic team and she recommended me for the job. And I'll tell you, I turned it down twice because I'm like, are you nuts? I mean, I'd only been restricted earnings at Tennessee for two years, an assistant full-time at Kentucky for one year, an assistant at Purdue, and now I'm going to be the head coach in the Big Ten with a team that had previously already been to the Final Four. What? And I I kept saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I called Pat. So I said, Pat, they want me to be the head coach at Purdue. And And she's like, well, and I said, I'm not ready. And so I go on on this whole thing of why I'm not ready. And then she looks at, she stops and she goes, are you finished? In the <laughs> stomach kind of way. And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, where do you want to go get ready? You want to go coach high school? You want to go junior college? You want to go mid-major? Or you want to start there? So then I was like, well, she's kind of right. So, yeah. Oh, so the wisdom was kind of my motivation so then, um, I you know, I coached at Purdue, coached the pros, Florida, got back into TV. And then Dawn, when she was at um, at Temple, I, you know, liked what she was doing there and the players that she was getting there. Then she went to South Carolina, and then I was covering South Carolina. And watching her and how she interacted with her players. And you guys know, I mean, you see coaches that do things the way you you would like to see things done or you would like to do them. And she just had such a connection with her players. And she was taking – she was squeezing blood out of a turnip and getting these players to play for her. And they loved her. You could tell it. And I was like, she's got the it. And I believe she's going to be the next one. So in 2015 – 
after practice one day, I just went over and I had a card and I had put it in a card and, and I gave it to her. And I was like, you know, this meant something to me. And I hope that this will be a little motivation for you. And it was just a private moment between the two of us. And so she opened it and looked at it, gave me a big hug, thanked me for it. Uh, and then, you know, to me, that was it. You know, it was just something privately done. And even in 2017, when the Final Four was in Dallas, and I had asked ESPN to work it because I felt like Don was going to win it. And they were like, no, we don't have the budget. We don't need you there. So I'm back here in Nashville watching the game on television. And uh, my husband and another couple, we are out at a bar uh, watching it. We had a patio table that had a TV outside. And as the game's coming to an end, I start you know, realizing, oh, my God, she's going to do it. And so when they win, we're jumping around, celebrating, high-fiving everybody. You'd think I went to South Carolina. But <laughs> you know, we were so excited that she had won. And then all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up. And I'm getting all these text messages and all. And so then when I look at them and they were talking about the piece of the net that I gave Dawn. And because, you know, when you're watching on TV, you don't get to see the press conference. And so come to find out later, then it was run. When she came to the press conference, she pulled that piece of the net out. And then for what she did to take that another step further to then take her net and send it to every black woman that was the head coach in division Mm -hmm. one. I mean, she took it to a whole nother level. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mm. And it all started from the university of Tennessee player whose name was passion, passion Thompson, passion Thompson. Yeah. I never knew that. Thank you for sharing that. What an incredible story. When I was, uh, when I first got hired at Tennessee, I got in, uh, invited to Black Coaches Association convention that was held in Florida. And when I walked into the hotel room and into the hotel lobby, there sat Vivian Stringer, George Ravlin, Nolan Richardson, John Chaney, mm-hmm. uh, Marion Washington, Mariana Freeman. Like that was the Mount Rushmore of Black coaches mm-hmm. to me. And they're all sitting at one table and coach Stringer called me over. She introduced me to everybody and she said, Carolyn, you know that you are the first black woman that Pat Summit is hired. And I didn't realize that I had, you know, I was a big fan of Sheila Collins who played at Tennessee, but I didn't even really pay attention to what was or wasn't on her staff. And then she said to me, you know, with that opportunity comes great responsibility. And I thought that meant that I had to go out and and do a good job and I had to win games. But, you know, later, you know, in 2017, when Dawn shared that piece of the net, I really felt like my responsibility wasn't what I did, but who I shared it with. Mm, And I think the responsibility was the sharing, the sharing piece to that. In a sense, it was this passing of the baton, too. Yeah. Right. Like you go run with it now. Yeah. And I believe in you. Well, see, now Don. okay, Don took a bad job and made it a good one. Mm. because for so long for black women to get head coaching jobs, a lot of times it was jobs nobody else wanted mm. or oh, ones that would be, that would pay the very least that, you know, who, you, you know, to be a head coach, you had to take that. Uh, Kenny Brooks at Virginia tech, you know, how many coaches would go, Oh, I'm dying to go to Virginia tech. Well, <laughs> what did he do? He took what most would look at a bad job and made it a good one. Yeah. You know, we had four black coaches for the first time at the same time in the Sweet 16 this year. Uh-huh. So now, and I'm giving you my speech for the Hall of Fame, but now administrators are taking their blinders off. Yeah. And we're, you're not eliminating anybody, but you're broadening your scope of who potential candidates can be and just finding the best person. I mean, kudos to the administration at South Carolina and Virginia Tech. They didn't just hire somebody. They hired somebody 
gave them the resources, supported them, and helped them make those programs into winning ones. But isn't it frustrating that it's taken so damn long to take those blinders off? Well, you can spend time being frustrated or you can take the momentum and build on it. I mean, what oh, good that's be so mature. Say- God. <laughs> I'm, you know me, Fowdy. I'm not one to spend a whole lot of time with negative energy. What good does it do? I can complain about the past or I can help be building blocks for uh, the future. So, so good. So what, I mean, needs to, what needs to happen going forward so there is more diversity at the coaching ranks? Well, you look at Virginia has hired uh, Coach Mox there, and she's – let me tell you something. Keep an eye on Virginia because she's going to get it done. Yeah. And you look at uh, Joni Taylor leaving Georgia and going to Texas A&M, and with every all the movement that's happening and the recruiting, it's going to happen there. Look at what Adia Barnes has done out at Arizona. Like, there's opportunities. There are – fresh young ideas uh, that are in the minds of administrators now. And they're coming to realize, okay, women's basketball is a revenue stream. Yeah. If we win, we can make some money off of this. And so now in looking at, okay, what would be, instead of what might turn turn off boosters, what might turn them on? What might bring in some new boosters, some fresh money, mm-hmm. some more support for this university? So I, I think that's what's happening now. I mean, you look at the ratings of the Final Four. What it reached nine million, topped out at like twelve point something million yeah. viewers yeah. in the national championship game, and Connecticut and Tennessee and Stanford were not playing. Yeah, right. I yeah, know. it was almost refreshing to have yeah. these new storylines. For me, the I, I was saying this to Julie ahead of this interview. For me, the the final four matchup of Iowa South Carolina was just to me that was almost the final. That was such just such good basketball, such a good game, and it kind of felt good that UConn wasn't the team that was looking to be upset. It just it felt like the game is moving in a new chapter, a new direction. Wasn't it the first time in, in I want to say, like 17 years that one of those three hadn't been in the Final Four? I don't know that's if that right. 17 is right, but I think I read that somewhere. I was like, whoa. And yeah. that's a great point. And the numbers still, you were up 55% year over year. Every round seeing double-digit increases. Well, and what happened? They took their blinders off. Mm. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the coverage this past season of the prime games that were on, they weren't all Connecticut. They weren't all Tennessee. They weren't all Stanford. I mean, you had Louisville was on TV. South Carolina was on TV. Maryland was on TV. North Carolina was on TV. So fans got exposure to other programs and other great talent. Yeah, There's so much talent across the country. And so when you expose people to that, because I I go to different cities and before the expansion of the of uh, more uh, exposure of women's basketball, there'd be fans. I'd be in restaurants and they'd go, what are you in town for? Is there a game today? Because it wouldn't even be on their local news. Yeah. Well, now yeah. it has to be. Yeah. Because oh I mean, these women are too. making you talk about them. Mm-hmm. Mm. And here I just thought it was the feathers. See? <laughs> it's hey, The feathers may bring you in, but no. the talent on the floor will keep you there. Well, I think this is the first time that I've heard you, Julie, talk about women's college basketball as far as having this awareness of kind of this, yeah, let's go. Like this is what this is where it needs to be. Well, I, I I always have watched it, um, but this year in it running on ABC and it just felt like, okay, it's about damn time that we put it on the network. It belongs on, there's exposures, there's visibility. I mean, it was the, the Sedona Prince revelation of last year when you're like, what are we doing? <laughs> that was so obvious. Like you're burying this gold mine that has all this 
potential. It's every sports story though, right? It's like us back in the day going, I don't care whether you love or hate it. You're missing out on this gold mine. There's, there's money you're leaving on the table. There's all this awareness you should be getting out. Anyways, I'll go on another rant, but it just... <laughs> It shocks me that then people are surprised that it pulls in 10 million. I, that, yeah, that, like that's something yeah, like, that oh I'm getting tired of. Why yeah, are like, we, why are, why we are people, surprised? Get, why, yeah, this is, this is nothing new. This, this is incredible basketball. And it's like, wow, the ratings are really good. Well, yeah, because it's incredible <laughs> basketball. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a silver lining to COVID. And the silver lining has been, okay, when all of all the other sports had to shut down, uh-huh. the WNBA was able to still be played. Mm-hmm. And because there was nothing else to put on TV, they had to put yeah. on women's basketball. Yeah. Well, then blinders were taken off and they were like, oh, people kind of do like watching women's basketball. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, and because of COVID, the NCAA's inequities of the Final Four was exposed. And so social media caught fire of that because you were able, I felt like women's basketball was able to be kept squashed and saying, we're not going to put it on TV because it won't rate. It won't bring in as much money as as the men do. And it's not a men versus women. It's just yeah. make room. And so because they finally realized, you know what, we can, because the only way anything's going to happen is if it can make money. Right. And so that's why, you know, when we aren't making as much as the men, even as broadcasters, coaches weren't making as much money as the men because they said, well, they don't, you just don't rate, you don't bring in the revenue. Well, we don't get the same marketing dollars. Mm-hmm. We didn't get the same space. And now when you look at what South Carolina has done, what LSU has done, Tennessee has been doing it for years and why people didn't take notice of that. Um, mm-hmm. Stanford has done it with the the draw that they have at the farm. If you expose it and you make it important and you tell people this is yeah. something that they need to see, you know what? Yeah. They believe it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We just <laughs> solved the world's problems. Where is a wall? Go. I want to run through it. <laughs> All solved. Everyone's watching. Everyone's wearing feathers. Everyone <laughs> is coming. <laughs> I want to know the color of your dress, and you're not going to tell me. Nope. Nope. You got to come sequence? and see. Any sequence? No sequence. Okay. Um... Oh, I can't wait. Heels or sneaks? Heels until the after party. Okay. Mm. Then you're going. Then you're going to get it on. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of getting it on, are you ready for the Lynn game? Let's go. Let's go. What is your noisemaker for us, Carolyn? Oh, that's my whistle. Loud and clear. Whoa, that's coming in hot. That's going to be a good one. Okay, so wait. (laughs) One more time, Carolyn. (laughs) I'm on the line. I got to get a whistle. Oh, it's great. (laughs) Because listen to this. Your whistle and my... I will say this was given to me by 11-year-old Leo. Thank you, Leo. Aww. Well, it, was, it was actually given to Swaggy, and I said, Swaggy. <laughs> this is Elizabeth Jones Child's Stanford teammate, her son. They were visiting. He, she, he brought it for Swaggy. Oh, that's I was like, oh, that's going to be perfect for my game. I'm out of squeaky toys. Oh, okay. oh. got different, different <laughs> options. And the visual of this is, I'm going to say green pig. Yeah. Yeah. Green pig with blue spots. Go green machine. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. Are you going to sing it? Carolyn. The rules of the game are, it's multiple choice, best of five questions wins. Theme is always different. And today's theme, I'm kind of throwing 
a bone to Julie, and this is a bit of a social experiment because I often will do pop culture type trivia where either it's the 70s, or, well, I don't think I've done 70s, but maybe 80s or 90s. And anything in the past with trivia um, doesn't seem to like stick with Julie. So the theme of this game is recent history in pop culture. I'm just That's curious be if no you're better. That's if be your no short-term better. memory might no. okay. No. Probably worse. Uh, so all of the questions are about things that have happened in pop culture so far this year in 2023. Are you oh. good with pop culture, Peck? I don't know. Let's try it. Uh, I love it. Question one: uh. What movie won the Academy Award for Best Picture this year? Was it A. Top Gun Maverick? B. Everything, everywhere, Julie. Oh, oh, oh. Everything, everywhere, something, something. B, B, B. I'll give it to you. It was B. Have you seen it? Nope. Haven't seen it. Have you? No. no. Everything, either. everywhere, all at once. Yeah. I heard it's very um, jittery. <laughs> like, like high energy, frenetic. Frenetic is a better word. That is but good. Really, but really good. The only thing I ever watch, I have watched Madam Secretary 150,000 mm. That's a good one. That's oh, a good interesting. One. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's really good. Question two. In January, who came out with a memoir that set the Guinness World Record for the fastest selling nonfiction book of all time? Was it A, Michelle Obama, B, Oprah, or C, Prince Harry? <laughs> Carolyn. So Michelle good. Obama. Incorrect. Oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Julie. Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. Incorrect. Oh, what? How did you give a man as an answer? Harry. Prince Harry. <laughs> Correct, <laughs> Prince Harry, but you unfortunately do not get a point for that, Carolyn. Oh, Julie, all anyone talked about at your house for like oh, a month straight right. was spared. I know, but I was like, she's not going to have a man as an answer. We don't do men on this podcast. <laughs> that sounded weird. Yeah, it did. We love you, men. We just don't have many men on the podcast. It's not to say we can't have a trivia question about men. I guess there are men in this life, but I just, I just thought you were better than that, Lynn. I don't know. <laughs> question three. What is the name of Taylor Swift's current tour? Is oh. it A, the Reputation Tour? B, the Eras Tour, or oh. C, the Journey Tour? Oh, I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> I should know this because God, Izzy has wanted to go to this so badly. I'm going with C, the Journey's Tour. Incorrect. <laughs> Carolyn, for the steal, is it either A, the Reputation Tour, or B, the Eras Tour? A, the reputation tour. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> what is the score? Right. Is it one, one to zero? One still one, one to zero, zero. going into one question four. Okay. Who directed the movie Air about the original, the origin? Oh, 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 oh. Julie. Ben Affleck. Correct. Thank you. I know my pop culture. So that's Just heard not... him on Smartless. Great, great podcast. Oh. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Otherwise, I would have done a different question. Mm -hmm. I always I try and stack it in the favor of the guests, if I'm being yeah. honest. But yeah, we should have talked beforehand. Like yeah, that. next time. <laughs> I think technically Julie wins, but let's do. How about we say that oh this God, one counts for three sports? Day. Okay, three right. points. Three points. Thank you. Question five: Who <laughs> sings the uber popular song "Flowers," which came out on January twelfth? Is it A, Sam Smith, B, Dua Lupa, or C, Miley Cyrus? I know, but I don't want to win 5-0. Lynn, another one you should know. We were in the car discussing this. Well, this is kind of part of my test. I was curious if you had any short-term memory, and I think you have a little bit. Yeah. If, with when a one-week span. I can buy myself flowers. So who is who is it, Julie? Miley Cyrus. It's Miley Cyrus. That's what I was gonna say, but I. <laughs> you had that pack. I will. <laughs> Download it. 
right now. Tune Actually, out. that is such a good solo dance party song. So yes. Yeah. That would Miley be, Cyrus Flowers. You'll be in the locker room. Okay, so for the Hall of Fame, I have to have a walkout song. <gasps> Any oh. suggestions? Oh. I mean, my theme Wait, song What are you thinking? Is, yeah. My theme song is Brick House. Yeah. I'll be your brick house. I like that. I, I like do that. too. That's old school. Yeah. I do too. But... Just letting it all hang what out. About... I'll be your brick. Mm. You know everyone's gonna be like, who runs the world, girls? Who runs the world, girls? That's a good one, but I feel like it's too predictable. Um, Lizzo, yeah, about damn time. I'd say ladies get in formation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Beyonce. Lizzo, about damn time, came to mind. <gasps> Ooh. Give it a play. See it, see how see okay. what. Uh, like see if it that. fits but i think brick house right is kind of is fun where that's you yeah Gotta do you that's a good song it's a curveball too but about damn time kind of sends a message oh wait wait this the 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 hall of fame get it out julie the hall of fame is in nashville right knoxville knoxville yes that's Rocky your home top. that's yeah. your home okay so Welcome to my house, baby. Kick control now, Hana, Hana, Hana. Come on, it's your house. This That's is my house. Okay, is I think, that I th- yeah, I think it's a, it's a dude though. We don't yeah. do dudes on you know this yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's a dude. You want a gal? I'm thinking, Lizzo. It's about damn time. Mm. Okay, Lynn, you're gonna have to watch it, and if she starts. <laughs> Walking up to that, you're gonna have to take credit. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna raise the roof. I'm gonna raise the roof. I may twerk all the way down the aisle. <laughs> I would like you to do the worm all the way down. Most pressing questions, <laughs> Lynn. My most pressing out of every women's basketball player, past or present, who is in your starting five? Oh, my starting five. I'm gonna write this down. Um. Well, Don Staley's going to be my point guard. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm going to have Katie Smith in her prime. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, go Bucks. Okay. Uh, you got to have Cheryl Swoops. Oh, yeah. Got to have Swoops. Then you got to have the tenacity of Cheryl Miller. Oh, okay. Now, who is my monster in the middle? <laughs> Ooh. See, I'm I'm torn Candace Parker and Lisa Leslie. Yeah, I mean you got to have uh, Lisa Leslie in there. Yeah. So, oh, I like that rotation. Okay, that's a good squad. Don Staley, Katie Smith, Cheryl Swoop, Cheryl Miller, and a tie between Candace Parker and Lisa Leslie. They'll split time. Yeah. Because you can move them around, especially with today's game, like in their prime, playing against, and with the rules today, because you can't touch anybody. It's like, no foul. This is a non-contact sport. Yeah. But those women... They could get it done. Don could get it, you know, where it needs to be. Katie Smith can score it. Cheryl Miller's going to, I mean, uh, Cheryl Swoops is going to take it from you. And <laughs> Cheryl Miller's going to get in your head. And then you can't <laughs> keep up with Lisa Leslie or Candace Parker. Oh, that's Amazing. I could just talk, I could talk for another hour about that and going off in different directions. That was, that was And awesome. I also love the current Chelsea Gray. Y'all. Oh, she is the uh-huh. real deal. Uh, I, I get to cover the Aces during the WNBA season. I do their broadcasts, and I get to watch yeah. her every every game. She's phenomenal. They're going to be good. Yeah, they are. Same with New York. New York's going to be good. Yeah, I can't wait to see those two teams go head-to-head. The uh-huh. two super teams is what they're calling them. My most pressing seems... Not so pressing, given that really good most pressing. Mine, I, I kind of want to ditch. Oh, come on. 
Believe in yourself. Okay, okay. If you had to choose, which Ville would you choose? Nash or Knox? Nashville. Oh! I went to school in Nashville. Yeah, grew up in uh, Knoxville. The middle of, it's the country music mecca. Yeah. There are great restaurants in Nashville. I was yeah. just there. I should have gotten in touch, Pat. Oh, I forgot you're there. Shame I on you. Forgot you're there. I know. How did I, I remember? We could have tore it up. <laughs> All right, last segment, Peck, is high, low, cheer. The high of your career, the low of your career, and the cheer is for someone you're grateful who's helped you along the way. Well, the high of my career has to be the national championship. And one of the reasons being is because, okay, the year before I won the, we won the national championship, I had accepted a job to leave, and I was going to the Orlando, yeah. start the Orlando Miracle. Right. And those group of women stayed so committed through that whole season. And they had been through so much. Katie Douglas, before her freshman year, had lost her dad to cancer. Mm -hmm. And we finished that game and the ball is in her hands. Uh, Ukari Figs had lost her grandmother. Stephanie White had turned her ankle with like, I don't know, four minutes left to go in the game. It was like Hoosiers. It'd be a great movie. Right. Yeah. My low. I think my low would be getting fired at Florida after the previous year. I beat Tennessee and LSU when they were both ranked number one in the country the year before. And I graduated five seniors and I was rebuilding. But mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a, a low or a cheer because they weren't supporting yeah. us. And yeah. it's kind of like, okay, I'll go do something right. else. Right. It's probably and, a blessing. Yeah. And then the cheer, well, you know, the cheer has to go to Arlene Peck. Mm, my Arlene mama. Peck. Oh, my mama. Let me tell you, she is a blessing. When I graduated uh, my senior year in college, she had a near-fatal car accident, mm. and she survived that. Then um, – after she recovers from that and I start playing basketball in Japan, she got diagnosed with colon cancer, stage four, experimental drug. Thank God for the research for cancer because she is 80, 82 now. She's still here. She'll be at the Hall uh -huh. of Fame. And like she is the one that always said, as long as there's time on the clock, you got a chance to win. Aww. And so all the way, even, you know, when I'm commentating games and there's only like seven seconds left and there's a four point game, I'm like, got a shot. It could happen. Yeah. yeah. And I think that has to come from Miss Arlene. Oh, congratulations, my friend, on all you've done. Thank Coaching, you. broadcasting, Hall of Fame career in so many different ways. So. Thanks for thanks for taking the time with us. Always such a treat to catch up with you. Next time I'm gonna crash you in, in Nashville and we are gonna do Tootsies oh, and Broadway. Yeah. Tootsies, honky tonk, <laughs> um Dirk Bentley's got uh, some great restaurants. I was I already told a bunch of girlfriends when I got back. I'm like, we gonna do Nashville next trip. <laughs> oh yeah. We got to do this again. This is fun. Oh, yes, we will, Peck. I think we should do it as a road trip. Nashville, here we come. <laughs> they have those little bikes that you get on. Not little. They're like big bikes mm -hmm. where they have like five people on each side with the bar in the middle. Oh, and right. Pedaling. Yeah. And the music's blaring. <gasps> That's yeah. where we need to do an episode. That's <laughs> part two of Carolyn Peck. Okay, dokie. Takeaways. <laughs> I should do it in my Southern draw. I don't know if I don't know if I could do takeaways in my Southern draw. Well, you sort of have one already. That's the weird thing. You're from Southern California, and yet you have a little bit of a Southern lilt. Have I never told you the story that my that NBC yeah. when they hired me for the Olympics, the voice coach right. they gave me. Yeah, I, have, I had a voice coach. 
God, I love NBC. Um, they're like, you're new to TV. We're going to give you a voice coach. I was mm-hmm. like, what? Mm-hmm. And she goes, where are you from in the South? And I said, what are you talking about? I'm from like Southern California. Is that what you right? mean? She goes, no, you're from the South. I said, no, I'm not. She goes, where's your Southern accent from? I was like, I don't have a Southern accent. <laughs> Turns out. It was all those Southerners I played on the national team with. Sandy, Mia, <laughs> Carla. Cindy, Sandy, it's your mama. It's your mama. Call, Call me. me. Okay, takeaways. I loved hearing the origin story of the net. I had never heard that story. Mm. Oh, so good. And Tennessee's Passion Thompson. Shout out to Passion. Mm-hmm. I wonder, Jules, what your thoughts are on it. Because I was thinking, is it... That that little piece of net is is it the power of belief, passing mm. it to someone? Was it the universe at play? Mm-hmm. Because it happened the again. The power of someone believing yeah, in it ha- you. It happened again with Don Staley. Yeah. So you have the power of someone believing in you, mm-hmm. and then passing on that power, you're paying it forward. Which, if we all did that in the universe, think of the power inspired inspiring inspired inspiring it's this vicious cycle vicious um, or, or you mean like, like vicious in the most beautiful v- okay. of ways okay incredibly vicious yeah like vicious vicious awesomeness and that was so cool to hear that by her doing that you know and then how touched she was that dawn did it mm-hmm. to every division one black coach women's coach out there which was so neat and we yeah. we heard that story on our on the pod with with Don as well. Um my second takeaway is Carolyn and I both have awesome moms. <laughs> Clearly. Fruity Judy right on up there with number 1 in the world. Okay, questions permitted. Question from at Maria Redowdy. At Maria Redowdy. Okay. Yes. Lynn has such a great sports announcer podcaster voice. Exclamation point. <laughs> Was that always the case or is it a learned skill? <laughs> so I think that question is directed toward me. Mm-hmm. So, heard... yep. I like how you self-selected. <laughs> well... Uh, first, I want to say to Maria, thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate I really appreciate no. what you said. No, you need to say it like this, Len. Oh. Thank well, you. Marie. Thank you. Well, Maria. <laughs> right. <laughs> Long pause. So this Thank le- you. This leads me into my answer because this Maria asked this question back in April of 2021 and it's been one I've I've thought to answer for a while. And two years Wait, left. Maria asked this question in April <laughs> uh-huh. of 2021 yeah. and you're bringing it to the pod in April of 2023? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell sinky that's how long it took me to talk about myself and here's here's part of it is that this real this question really hit me it's raining in a little bit trying to be sincere here julie okay Thank you, Maria. When, I want to hear this. Yeah, when answer. I, when I worked in local news in Cleveland, the NBC affiliate, Channel 3 News, my hometown, as a reporter on air, I would get critiqued about my voice. In local news, it's not uncommon for reporters to sound like this, like anchors. And <laughs> that was not my style. And I worked to try to just sound like myself because of the critiques and feedback I'd get from my managers, I got I got self-conscious about my voice. Mm. And I did work at it. However, what I would say is that this podcast has allowed me to found, find my voice mm. and to sound actually like how I sound. And mm. something I'll add is that it's a really humbling experience to edit audio of yourself mm-hmm. and in doing so it's helped me come into my own because I can actually hear sometimes when I might be pushing a little too hard or holding back and so yeah. it's 
been seriously this podcast has been a place for me for my own self-growth and becoming more secure and confident in my confident in myself and in my voice so it was you know that this question was a deep cut for me and i'm you know i'm i'm kind of, i'm on the dr colin hacker track of forever work in progress i'll just say that this podcast has had so much value for me when it comes to this respect and my voice you know what that makes me think i should do more editing <laughs> to discover how effing annoying i am well, because i am certain when i edit me i'd be like shut up i do that just listening normally so i can't even imagine i just let's let's do a slow clap for lynn having to edit this every wait god you deserve a medal well the, no, at the you same... do have a great you but that's a natural you have a natural tv voice you don't have this like nasally annoying voice like me okay. i'm actually going to start going into my deeper modes to see if it's a little more enticing to listen to <laughs> i would like to replace the word annoying You've said that a few times over, you know, kind of over episodes. I'm not going to ever replace annoying. I, I, just, what about vicious awesomeness? Call, yeah, vicious awesomeness. No, no. I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty damn annoying sometimes. And that That is okay. I'm fine with being yeah. annoying. The thing, though, is, and I'll peel back the curtain for the dope village, is that there are times, because I do edit a lot of audio, with both of us, of both of us, is that I will get, I sometimes do give you notes. And yeah. the thing that I really appreciate is that you're always receptive to them. You still haven't cut out your sniffling. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, this episode, I've, I've, I've edited out of some sniffles. Uh-huh. I know, I actually was just thinking I'm kind of nasally right now. Uh, I'm like congested, a little, a little too much pollen in the air. It is Switzerland here still. So, yeah. Thanks, Maria. Okay. That was a good one. Thank you, Maria. Two years later. Yeah, two years later. It took me two years to answer it. I will add that I think even this season, I feel like I'm continuing again to come into my own with my voice and that I have a voice. So, yeah. going to use it. All right, Note Village. Thank you, as always, for spending time with us. We are in our home stretch of season nine and have some awesome, some vicious awesomeness coming up as part of our guest, Becky Sauerbrunn. Becky Butter Sauerbrunn will join the podcast for the first time. And okay, full disclosure, we do have a lot of soccer players on the podcast this season, but Women's World Cup is just around the corner starting in July. So there's no apologies necessary, nor should there ever be any apologies. Anyways, then we've got Stu York. It's what dreams are made of. Brianna Stewart returning. Stewie is coming back on the pod. And. As a bonus episode, it just so happens that the universe answered my request. I love when this happens. To finish the season with astronaut Nicole Mann in real life, IRL. We will be recording that live at the ESPNW New York City Summit on May 4th. So lots to look forward to. And we sure would appreciate it if you would subscribe and rate the podcast along with leaving a very viciously awesome comment on our Apple podcast page. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to Ally and Dick Sporting Goods for their fabulous support. And of course, to Kate Diaz for our theme music. And remember, as always, kids, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. As long as there's time on the clock, you got a chance to win. <laughs>